come and live a, a life being tempted in all ways, and yet not come and live a, a life being tempted in all ways, and yet not succumbing to come and live a, a life being tempted in all ways, and yet not succumbing to sin, but overcoming and triumphing over sin personally, and then going to the cross and paying the price for our sin, for our forgiveness, and then offering that to us, even when we were enemies of the cross. You know, it's amazing how much God loves us. He's always loved us, not just us here, but every human being. The love of God is not greater towards one than another. It's just whether we recognize his love and, and open up to receive his love. His love is extended to every human being. And, and that love is at, at the heart of the gospel, that love that provided a means for forgiveness that would cause us to be reunited with the Father and then have the opportunity to be united in the body of Christ like never before and then an opportunity to be able to reach out to people with the love of God to have them united with God. It's, it's an amazing thing. And, and you know, each, each Sunday we, we take time to pray before we go to the Word because God's Word is unlike anything else. You know, the Bible says His Word won't pass away. It'll, it'll go forth and accomplish that which He sent it forth to accomplish and prosper in the way it goes. It won't return void. And there's power. When God spoke his word initially, he created things. When God's word goes forth, it still has creative power, miracle-working power. And, and uh, before we go to the word today and before we pray, I, I just want to share a testimony that came to our attention this week um, because we don't always know what's going on. Uh, we have been at times sitting very far apart without really connecting and we need to hear what God's doing. And, and this morning we have a testimony from Mark Nashton who uh, works and ministers in the parking lot. And uh, God did something last week uh, in his life and is still doing some things. He, he's been doing things in Mark's life. But listen to this testimony. Thanks, John, for putting that together. Thank your husband for that. It's important that we see that just like we pray before service, um, before we, we get together in here, where other various people are praying for the service, and once we're here, we're praying and believing that God's word as it goes forth, that it is truth, it sets people free. There is a, a freedom that came to Mark's life. God's word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. He gives us guidance and, and direction, and, and, and his word is life and health to those who find it. And we pray for people to be healed during the service, people to be set free, people to be given guidance, not by me. Because I, I say a lot of things up here, and there's not everything's for everybody, but there's something from God's word that is for every person here today and we each have to have ears the bible says uh, he who has ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church let him hear and today it's important that we set aside all sorts of things that want to distract us and disrupt us from receiving what god has because god wants to set you free god wants to give you guidance and direction that is true and, and that will be healing and, and health and life to you. And so let's just bow our heads. And, and Father, we thank you for being who you are. You are amazing. And your amazing grace that saved us is the same grace that every day imparts and empowers to us the abundant life. Father, we know it's by your spirit and through your word. And today, Father, as, as we have ears to hear what you're saying to us, the church, help us to recognize your truth. Help us to receive your truth. Help us to um, hide your truth in our hearts 
that we would stay on track with you and that we would experience that energizing, healing, restorative, strengthening health that you give us because of who you are. And today, Father, we thank you that, that as we receive what you have for us, we can be who you have for us to be and we can do what you have for us to do. And we thank you, Father. Open our eyes to see all the amazing things that you are doing in our lives and help us to recognize all the amazing things you want to do through our lives to impact and impart to the people around us. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Well, we've been, we've been talking about and looking into um, how important unity is. And we've talked about its, its connection with revival. Uh, unity is, is what will cause revival to happen when we're reunited with God. And sometimes you, we think, well, you know, I, I'm saved. Yeah, we can be saved and we can walk in a way that God has really nothing to do with in our lives. And we walk our own way. Um, it's a carnal way. It's a fleshy way. It's a way that we've learned from the world. Or we can, we can really not just carry the presence of God around in us by having his spirit and his word in our minds, but truly our lives are being transformed by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, that our lives are really revealing God uh, to the people around us. And because we're really vitally united with God, other people are going to see Christ in us, who's the hope of glory. And we're going to be united with each other. But it, it, this, this unity comes through love and uh, this unity when we love God when we love one another our our connection our oneness that Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17 uh, our oneness will will influence all the people around us all, all our family members our friends our co-workers people that we just come across their path and and that's what God has God has for that to bring a new revival in our lives and then bring revival to people that are coming to Christ. And, and we've seen this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. It says, above all these things, clothe yourselves with love. That's the unconditional, selfless, sacrificial, serving type of love which binds us together in perfect harmony. The NIV says perfect unity. And so it's love that unites us, it connects us. When you love some, someone or something, you're drawn towards them. And that's why when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest, most important commandment? Does anybody remember what his response was? To love, to love who first? God, to love God first with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength and the second is like it, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so it's love that is at the foundation and the forefront of everything we are and everything we do in our Christian life. If we don't have love, and this is what 1 Corinthians 13 begins to say, anything without love amounts to nothing. No matter how great we sacrifice, no matter what amazing works we do, no matter how much we know, if, if we aren't motivated, founded, and grounded in God's love, it really produces nothing eternal. And, and that's why we've, we've been learning about this and about how love is imparted, how love impacts our lives and other lives, how it, it connects us. And uh, when, when we look at this and it says, clothe yourselves with love, above all, clothe yourselves with love, you know, we have this, this clothing, we have what we put on, we choose to put it on, we choose to keep it on, and yet, if you have an outfit that you put on, there are parts to that outfit. And the parts to love, we've been looking at in, in verse 12 and 13, uh, where it says this, since God chose you to be holy people he, he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and make allowances for each other's faults. 
and forgive one another, anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So we see that this love is displayed. It's, it's expressed. It's experienced. It's a characteristic. It's, it's various characteristics in our lives that are tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, all those things that we do not see prominently displayed in our society. What we read right here is the opposite or the antithesis of what we see in most people's lives every day. And that's a clear indication of the times we're living in because we know that the Bible says that darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. And God is not darkness, he's light. And so we as children of the light need to be displaying he who is light and he who is love in a way that impacts the people around us. But this is a choice. This is a choice I make. The love of God resides in me, resides in you as a Christian. Because the Spirit of God, who is love, dwells in you. It says in Romans that he floods your hearts with love. He floods my heart with love. And as much as he's doing that, I'm either going to give myself to that love or I'm going to give myself to something else other than God and other than love, other than being tenderheartedly merciful, other than being kind or humble or gentle or patient or forgiving. And as a Christian, it's easy to ignore God. <laughs> Isn't it? And, you know, in some ways I wish God wouldn't allow it to be that easy. And he doesn't, but he also doesn't force on us what the enemy tries to force. God doesn't force his will, but the enemy will force his will. He'll push you. He'll, he'll, he'll put pressure on you. God never pushes or puts pressure. God said, I'll lead you. But what's the key to having the benefit of being led by somebody, being willing to follow, right? It takes a part on our, if somebody's pushing us, then we, if we just kind of go into neutral, then we're going to get moved by whatever's pushing us, correct? If somebody is leading us and we go into neutral, it has no effect. And that's why you and I as Christians, we can't go into neutral. This is not a time to just kind of, well, I'll just sit back. No, you can't. Well, you can. We can sit back and we can just go with the flow. But I want you to know the flow that is in this world is towards the falls. Towards destruction. And that's why we, we have to be intentional. We have to have an intensity and, and a passion to follow God who is love. And, and this is what we've been learning about. We've been learning about these things and how important it is and how we incorporate them in our lives. And, and the fact that for us to incorporate these in our lives is exactly why we're still here. If it wasn't that we were to be witnesses, the moment we got saved, we'd go to the throne room of heaven and we would reside for eternity from then on with God. But God wants more people. Yes? And we're supposed to be witnesses. That means we're impacted, we're connected with God, and the connection with God impacts us, and we're connected with one another in the body of Christ, and that impacts us, and all of that together impacts us to have an impact and influence on the people around us towards seeing God, which the Bible says Christ in us is the hope of glory. And we just last week began to really talk about forgiveness. And, and I, I shared with you that the word forgiveness is a, in Strong's, the Greek word, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce it, but the first part of it is chara. 
It's, it's grace. It's a grace word because the word forgiveness means to gracefully pardon or forgive someone else. And we know this about grace. We were saved by grace. And the Bible says it was a gift so that none of us could boast. It, and when God gives us in grace something, it's not something we deserve or we can earn. It's a gift. And like any gift, what is the key to the benefit of a gift? Receiving the gift. Do you notice how in our relationship with God, he's not going to push us. He'll lead us, but we have to make the choice to follow. He'll grace us, but we have to make the choice to receive it. Recognize what he's doing and receive it. And that's much harder than being pushed or somebody forcing something on us because what god is after is this real life-giving unity with him that is a connection we choose to make fresh every day and throughout the day that would impact us and influence us that would impart and impact other people and this forgiveness this word forgiveness is a grace pardon. It means to graciously be kind. C.S. Lewis said this about forgiveness. We all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. I, I read that and I thought he is so right on. And Corey Ten Boom said this, forgiveness is to set a prisoner free only to find out that prisoner is me. You know, when we don't forgive, we, we are locking ourselves up. Mark was talking about how he recognized that, you know, God, God, when, when uh, God was speaking to him about forgiveness, when he was hearing about that from God, uh, that, that he realized other people may be going on with their lives, but he was stuck. God doesn't want you stuck. God wants you free. And the only way to get free is to walk in the things that God has. And, and we talked about last week how forgiveness is something we read this, we must do. Well, why must we do it? Well, the first reason why we do it is to be obedient to God. That is my, my main priority is to love God. And Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commands. So obedience is showing love to God. And so we should be loving God. First commandment, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And if I say I love God, then I need to be aligned with God. And so we obey because we want to we be obedient to God. We want to show him we love him. The second reason why we, we forgive is because we set ourselves up to receive forgiveness. Without forgiving others, we can't receive the forgiveness from God. Third is, so our faith isn't hindered. Bible says that faith works by love. Love is expressed through forgiveness. The next one is, so the enemy doesn't take advantage of us. We, we looked at all sorts of scriptures on this. And the last one is, so that other relationships are not hindered or, or uh, defiled. And that's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. It says this. This is where we left off last week. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see God. Looking carefully, lest anyone should fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So pursue peace. And, and we really didn't look at this in depth, but the word peace, you know, we've talked about this. This isn't anything new. It's the word irene. It means to set it one again. How do we set it one again when there's a barrier or there's a division? We have to choose to love and lovingly forgive. Okay? And that opens up the way to build that bridge and connection back again. And so at this, this point, this peace is a part of forgiveness. When, when we're operating in forgiveness, when we're walking in the love of God and we're choosing to quickly forgive, the Bible says we're, we're supposed to be forgiving as God in Christ forgave us. How was that? Was it partially? Completely? 
continuously before we even asked? All of that, that's the way we're supposed to be operating in, in forgiveness towards other people. And, and in this, this word, it says peace, but the word before it is the word what? Open book test. Pursue. Now, help me understand, what, what does the word pursue? If you're pursuing something, what's the, the mental picture? What's your understanding of that? You're chasing. Okay, so there's a focus part of it. You're focused. You're not just kind of running here and there. You've got a focus. You've got a goal. Is it a stroll? No, if you're pursuing, my, my pers- when I think of pursuit, I, 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 I don't know why my mind goes here. It must have been all of the shows I watched as a kid growing up, Car 54 and all these other ones that many of you never heard of, but that's all right. When they would talk about police pursuit, it was this high speed, very intense, I'm going to go until I get what I'm after. It's intentional. It's intense. It is something that is not done as whenever I can find time, whenever it's convenient. Well, you know, if, if, if it's not too difficult, pursue, pursue peace. This, this word actually is an active effort to press forward. You know, the Bible tells us we're to press forward to the hope and high call of God in Christ. One of the high calls of God that that he has for us is peace. Peace. Not the peace that we talk about in the world. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Well, what's the world's idea of peace? No problems. Everybody getting along. Listen, that's not going to come to this world until God has his way. And right now he's having his way in those who are allowing him. And that peace that, that, that this is talking about, that peace is about connection. You know, I, I've seen bumper stickers. You've probably seen them too. N-O- K-N-O-W, peace, no. N-O, peace, no peace. Now I can't even remember the bumper sticker. Oh, K-N-O-W, no peace, no Jesus. Or no Jesus, N-O, Jesus, N-O, peace. K-N-O, Jesus, K-N-O, peace. Without Jesus, there's no peace. Because what's one of Jesus' names? Prince of Peace. Without him, there is no peace. And so we have to realize we've got to press towards the high call of God. And what is God's call? God has for us to not be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of, of, of our minds to become like Jesus. So that if they've seen you, and they've seen me as a Christian, they've seen Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And so with that, we, we recognize that this peace is not something that is something we just consider and, and do when we have time or it's convenient or it's not too costly to us. We're, we're to be intense about this. We're to be focused and active and not allowing anything to keep us from what God has for our lives. And, and this peace is very important for unity. Without this peace, there is no unity because this peace comes from the love and the forgiveness. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, Make every effort. Again, this is along the same lines. Pursue peace. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. 
Unity comes as we continue to walk in peace. That mindset of setting it one again, mindset of forgiving, mindset of no matter what people do to us, whether they ask for our forgiveness or not, whether they're sorry about what they've done or not, we choose to give and forgive and release them so we're released and then we can maintain that peace. The Bible talks about the peace of God that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds because we trust him. That peace is priceless. It's not, not a casual thing. It's, it's truly a concentrated, connected thing that comes only from God. And just like we, we read already in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, we're to clothe ourselves in love, binding us ourselves together, binding yourselves together with peace. When you and I don't have peace between us and somebody else, that division is what the enemy exploits. That division is what weakens the body of Christ. That division is what gets us off the mark of God and somehow detoured and, and deceived into thinking, well, it's okay, I, I can... I don't need that person. But that is not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us in the body of Christ, and we're talking about unity in the body of Christ, that there's no part that's not needed. And many times in my life I've found that the people I am challenged by and, and I struggle with in, in relating are people that many times help me grow like nothing else. And so for that very reason, I can look at that situation and say, you know what, I need that person more than somebody I get along with real easy because this relationship causes me to grow and to be more like Jesus. Now, that may sound silly, but I'm telling you, if you know anything about growing or developing, it's not an easy thing. If we're going to grow and we're going to develop, we're going to mature, it's going to take effort. And we should all want that. But it's not comfortable but it's the best thing that we can do. And so with this, we see how important this is. Peace binds us together. And we didn't read verse 15 in Colossians chapter 3. We read verse 12, verse 13, verse 14. But then in verse 15, and this is one of the things I just want to just encourage you to do. When, when when I'm teaching or somebody's teaching and, and they share scriptures, don't just focus on them. I'm hoping you're going to go home and you're going to read through maybe the whole book of Colossians when we're in there. I know it takes time, but it'll be well worth it. And if nothing else, read some of the verses before and after. You know, I can't read everything because we'd never get through anything. But this right here, verse 15, is what is so important too. It says, and let the peace of God. Now, this, this comes after, clothe yourselves with love, which, which binds us together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body to be thankful and be thankful. Again, it's connecting the peace of God and one body. This determination, it's not, oh, everything's tranquil. No. This peace of God is in the midst of the lack of tranquility. We choose to reconnect the way God has for us to connect in the body of Christ and first with him and then in the body. We choose to build a bridge instead of allowing a wall to be there. How many times do we 
miss out on what God has as a blessing through another part of the body of Christ because we've allowed a wall to get there, a division. And where something is divided, can't stand. It's brought to desolation. And so we miss out. When we miss out, the people that we know miss out because we're not experiencing all that God has for us because we've allowed a division. We've built a wall or we've allowed a wall to be built. And so we need to let peace, the peace of God rule in our hearts because we are called to one body. Rule. That word rule is, is defined as to arbitrate, to govern, or to prevail. The perspective and the process of irony, setting it one again, Everything we have in our lives, we should always be thinking about how do I reconnect? How do I reconnect? How do I reconnect with God? How do I connect with God first thing in the morning? Before my feet hit the floor, how do I connect to God? How do I make that relationship alive and vital and growing? And then how do I, how do I walk in this peace? How do I let this peace rule my lives in relationship to my wife and my children and the people that I'm working with and the people I come in contact with and the people that God cares about and loves and, and sent his son to die for. How do, I, how do I walk in that setting at one again? That should be a constant in my mind, a constant focus. I should be aware. And, and what I'm saying and what is what I'm thinking is what I'm doing, connecting or dividing. Listen. You're the only one that knows what's going on inside. And we don't always know. God knows completely. But in that moment, when we're thinking what we're thinking, when we say what we say, when we do what we do, are we looking to connect or are we allowing division to occur? Because if I don't have a mindset of, I gotta, I've got to work, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, make every effort. If I don't have that mindset, then I'm going to be okay with, well, you know what, I, I'm, that division, that wall, that's all right. I'll find somebody else. Do you know one of the things in our society that is most disposable? Relationships. Man, we blow in and blow out. If it doesn't suit us, we'll find somebody else. Folks, this is what we're supposed to be fighting for. In the body of Christ, we're supposed to be fighting for, and if it's in the body of Christ, it ought to be in our families. It ought to be in our churches. We're not blowing out of relationships. We're not saying, well, I don't need you. We're saying, I'll do whatever I have to do to make that connection vital, to love you no matter what. It's awfully quiet in here this morning. Let that, let that peace rule. Let it be the guiding. Let it be the plumb line of everything we do, that we measure everything off that because that peace comes from love. We should be doing everything in love. And, and when we do, we're going to be connecting. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of unity. He, everything he does is to reconnect people with him and with one another. to obliterate the division and the walls and the animosities between people. And if that's what God does, we, we should be walking in that too. I should be walking in that too. I have become so, I've asked God, I knew I needed to ask God. I've become so aware. God, please help me to recognize, am I uniting or dividing? Is that thought a united thought or a dividing thought? Are those words words that are uniting 
the body of Christ? Keeping a connection? Or is it words that are dividing? Because God's not, God is not behind the division that's going on. And I don't want to be helping the enemy's cause. And unless I'm intentional, unless I'm aware, and unless I choose to be more ruthless with me, I'm going to quickly move into those realms of, well, it doesn't matter. I can, I can say whatever I want to say. I can think whatever I want to think. I can do whatever I want to do. And if it's not good for you, that's okay if it's good for me. But that's an isolation, an exclusive mentality, and that's not what God has for us. So how far do we go? How far do we go for this peace? Romans chapter 12, verse 18 and 21, it says this. If it is possible, as much as it depends on who? Who? Me. Me, 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 me. You. Each of us individually. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Now, aren't you glad that God knew that there are going to be some instances that you can't do any more than what you've done? That's why it says, if it is possible. You know why? Because some people are going to choose not to be at peace, not to be set at one again. Even Christians do this. Well, I don't need them in my life. Oh, yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, you do. No, I don't need. Are they part of the body of Christ? Are they a Christian? Yeah, but they're not acting. I, it, it doesn't say whether they're acting like a Christian or not. If they're a Christian, you need them. This is not easy stuff. But let me explain something to you. I believe that we're, we're being taught these things because God is not done. Let me, let, me, let me read something to you. I wasn't sure where or if I was going to read it, but it's, it's something that Pastor Shane Eidelman nearly a decade ago prayed for revival. Was praying for revival, spending massive amounts of time in prayer for revival. He said, Lord, bring revival to the churches. But he said, I was not ready for the response that followed. After I prayed, it was almost as if God was saying, you don't want revival. It'll ruin your schedule, your dignity, your image, your reputation as a person who is well-balanced. And, and he, he wrote and said a lot of things, but I'm just going to conclude it with, with the last thing that I read even the most dignified and reserved among you will be broken and humbled as little children. The proud and self-righteous will not be able to stand in my presence. The doubter and the unbeliever will either run for fear or fall on their knees and worship me. There can be no middle ground. The church will never be the same. You know, when revival happens, when God really has his way, we don't. And we shouldn't. It's not going to fit into our schedules. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be convenient. But it's going to be what we really were created for. What if all of a sudden we began to walk in love and, and we're living our life selflessly, sacrificially serving God and other people? That's going to put a cramp in our schedule. We're not going to be able to do all the stuff we want to do and used to do. Because now there's a new priority. Mm. 
See, too many times we as Christians have fit God into what we want. We want him along with. All right, I'll just, I've done this. And I'm not different than anybody else, but it's easier for you to hear about what I do. But I've said, God, I want, and then, but I also want. And am I, am, am I willing to give up my wants for his wants? Because isn't that what Jesus did? Father, not my will, but your will be done. Why do we think Jesus had to let go of the things that he wanted and that he didn't want to embrace what God wanted? If he had to do it and we're following him, we're going to have to do the same thing. And if all of a sudden people started coming, because they are, people are coming all over the world to Christ. And when people come to Christ, that means the body of Christ needs to take care of the newborns. How's that going? We, we got a new mama up here. Is it just no, no sacrifice? It's just as it used to be before the little one came along? You should see her face. Folks, I'm telling you, this, what we see is we want the newborn babies to come in all grown up, able to take care of themselves. They don't make messes. They don't cry at odd hours. They aren't just so self-focused that they are considerate of our schedule. <laughs> Reality check. Do we really want revival? Because it's got to start with us and God being connected with, with God. And then us being connected with one another in a way where, hey, none of us can do all of this, but all of us can do this together. And we're going to need each other. And we're not going to be able to just do what we're comfortable doing. Mama. Is it always comfortable when, when you have to do what you have to do? You should see her face. She's a good mom. And, and she is loving to her child. But there's a sacrifice. Every, every parent that has really parented their children knows that there's a sacrifice. And I erroneously used to think when my kids get old, the sacrifice is done. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? No, it just shifts. It's different. We never stop loving, do we? If you never stop loving, you never stop sacrificing. You never stop serving. It just changes. And I'm telling you, unless we're really willing to embrace the mindset of walking in love, tender mercy and kindness and gentleness, humility and patience and forgiveness, we are not going to be a part of the revival God has. Because God loves these people that are not yet saved, that will be saved, too much to put them among people that don't care. And I'm not saying that to be critical or anything. I'm just saying that because I had to wake up to that, that perspective. What am I willing to give up that I've held on to so that I can be a part of what God wants to do that is going to cost me? Because when you love, it costs you. God so loved, what did it cost him? His son. Pretty high price. I'm telling you, we're not going to get away cheap. But... Understand whatever price you and I have to pay 
to walk in love towards God and towards other people, it'll be well worth it in eternity. Don't live for what you can get here. Live for eternity. It's much longer. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, that means we go as far as we have to go. And if somebody shuts us down, then we are always willing, just like the prodigal son's father, we're looking for the opening. But if there's no opening, then okay, we just keep on and we keep loving them from a distance. Live peaceably with all men. Then it says in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil. It's easy to be overcome by evil in these days. That word overcome means to be conquered, subdued, or overthrown by. There's evil everywhere. But thank God, when you know what the word of God says, it says where sin abounds, that evil abounds, grace much more abounds. There's a provision. And then it says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. Good. I know a lot of good things. But when, when someone came up to Jesus and said, good master, good teacher, he said, why do you call me good? There's only one who's good, and that's God. Overcome evil with God. If, if God's good, can we say that? Overcome evil with God or good or love. Or overcome evil with tender mercy. Or overcome evil with love that is expressed as kindness. Or overcome evil with humility. Or overcome evil with gentleness. Or overcome evil with patience. Or overcome evil with forgiveness. And I know when I say those words, sometimes my mind goes, no, that can't be right because that's not what I've learned in the world. Overcome evil with kindness? Overcome evil with gentleness? Overcome evil with... Yes. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with God, with love, with all these characteristics, with the way love is expressed, because love never fails. Everything else is going to fail, but love won't because God is love and God can't fail. James 1.17 says every good and perfect gift, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, comes down from above from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness or shadow of change. Where do we find good? The only place to truly find good is God. To find good is love. And, and how does that happen? How, okay, so we forgive. That's taking care of the division, right? When we forgive, we, we make a way for reconnection. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. We make a way for connection. We're waiting to connect. And do we just leave it there? Well, you know, the, uh, Bob and I have had a problem. And I've forgiven Bob, but I'm not let Bob know that. And you know, there's a wrong way to do that. Next time I see Bob, I'm like, hey, Bob, how you doing? Good to see you. I just want you to know I forgave you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I, I, I don't think that's going to work the way God wants it to. But we forgive. Then, then what do we do? We've, we've reached out. And just like God reached out to us with forgiveness because he loved us and gave his son who gave his life reaching out to us. And did he just leave it there? Okay. It's all table set. No, God kept reaching out. God continues to reach out to us. You know, the amazing thing is when we look back in our life before we knew Christ, many times we see a lot of things God was doing to protect and provide for us. And, and if we didn't, we're going to see a whole lot when we get to heaven. Because God's, God's extending all this goodness to us. And... Uh, We don't have time. 
Real quickly, we're, we're just going to read through it quickly, and I'm just going to make a couple of comments. Preceding this, in, in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, it says this, let love be without hypocrisy. You know what hypocrisy is, saying one thing and doing another. If we say we're followers of Christ and we're followers of love, then we should love the way God loves, not part way. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. All this, everything we do for everyone, God considers it done to him. That woke me up in my life in how I treated people. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer. Every one of those things right there in verse 12 indicates everything's not going the best. If you have to rejoice in hope, then you're hoping for something that you're not seeing. And, and hope is something that the Bible says the God of all hope would fill you with joy and peace in believing. Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer. When do we usually pray? Oh, I, I, when do most Christians, some Christians, pray when something's going wrong, when they need something? That should not be our prayer life. It should be part of our prayer life, but not our prayer life. And yet, Continuing steadfast in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Go ahead. What's that first word? Blessing. Blessing. God cut covenant with Abraham. Abraham is the father of yours and my faith. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And Abraham said, Woo! Yes, God. He didn't say anything because God wasn't finished. He said, because in blessing you, I'm going to make you a blessing to everybody else. Whether we recognize it or not, our lives are already blessed with more than we could ever imagine or dream. And when we forgive and when we walk in love towards people who aren't loving towards us, we don't just release in forgiveness, that which was done wrong to us. We don't just smooth over that division. We extend ourselves like God extended himself sacrificially through his son to give his best and bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Isn't it amazing? God knew exactly what we'd want to do and cut us off at the pass. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Do life with people. There are going to be times people, people are weeping. We need to be there. There are times people are rejoicing. We need to be there. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. What's that about? That's about thinking we're superior. When we walk in love, we're not ever going to think we're more, more special, more important, superior to anybody else. We're, we're actually going to begin to look at other people as more important than ourselves. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Repay no one evil for evil. And, and when I read that, when I read bless those who persecute you, what I see in our society and, and, and heartbreakingly what I see in the church, in Christians' lives, is people repaying evil for evil. We're working on the realm of the world, the scale of the world. Well, they are doing it unto us and I'm going to do it unto them. Well, that's not the golden rule. Bless them. Well, I don't know if I can. Yeah, you can. Not easy, not automatic. It's intentional and it's recognizing we've been blessed. God has blessed us. We haven't gotten what we deserve. God has been merciful with us. And, and God's given us what we couldn't get on our own. God's been gracious with us. And we freely receive this. We need to freely give this to others. 
Yeah, but they don't deserve it. Neither did you. Neither did I. And yet God extended that to me. And that's what drew me to him because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. And it was talking about the cross, but it's also an indication when we lift up love in our lives, because Jesus is God and God is love. When we lift up love in our lives, man, it begins to draw people. When you know somebody loves you, don't you want to be around them? When you know somebody doesn't love you, don't you not want to be around them? And we should be known. We should be known for one thing above all things, and that is love. Jesus said, they'll know. They'll not be able to deny you're my disciples by your love. So this love is expressed in various characteristics, in impartations to people, and it's, there's no, no rest from love. There's no recess from love. We're, we're always to love because we're always being loved. I've gone over, but I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I want to say to each of you right now, and I, I just, I have the privilege of being able to say it, and I count it as a huge honor, but I'm telling you right now from the heart of God, he loves you. For some of you today, this is the, one of the biggest hurdles in your life, for you to believe he loves you and receive the love he has for you because you're looking at yourself in light of conditional love that the world has. I don't meet the conditions. I've not been good. I've not done right. I, I'm not doing right. I'm not doing everything that he wants me to do, and I'm doing things he doesn't want me to do. None of that matters to God. And if it doesn't matter to God... Don't let it matter to you. Begin to today affirm the fact that God loves you with an everlasting love. God's love for you is unconditional. There's nothing you can do that will make him love you more, and there's nothing you can do that will make him love you less. And as you receive that love, as you begin to, to open yourself up to receive that love, then and only then can you begin to give that love. And as you receive that love, you receive forgiveness. You receive his mercy. You receive his kindness and his gentleness. You receive his patience and his forgiveness. And as we freely receive, we can freely give. We can't give what we don't have, but when we have it, we can give it. Father, today I just pray for every one of your children that their hearts would be unguarded, unhindered from receiving you who are love and receiving your love, receiving your forgiveness, receiving your kindness, receiving your gentleness, receiving your patience, receiving your mercy. Father, I thank you right now for your freeing of your people, your cleansing of your people, your restoration of your people, the revival of your people, that, Father, we would be an integral, intentional part of your revival for others. Father, we thank you for the good work that you've begun in us, that you are faithful to complete because we welcome you to work in us to will and to do your good pleasure, your will, your purpose and plan, your pleasure, not ours. Because as much as we think ours is best, it's not. It always robs us of the very best, which is yours.
And so today, Father, thank you. Thank you for redeeming to the uttermost these things. Thank you for resetting our, our perspectives and our priorities and help us to keep them fresh in, in our own hearts. That we would pursue peace. That we would endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That we would allow peace, your peace, God, to rule, to govern in our lives. Father, we welcome, we want, we want revival, we want revival, we want revival. We want to see our family saved. We want to see our friends saved. We want to see our neighbors saved. Father, we want to see all mankind saved. You have desired that. And so, Father, we, we agree with you and we give ourselves to you for that to occur in us and through us. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you?